Welcome to the Manor. Welcome back to the Twin Terrors Macabre Manor Mead Metal Mayhem. I am James Spiny Norman Slavin here with Jody Two Sheds Kraut. <laughs> too, too bad I took the Two Sheds out of my list of favorite episode sketches. It was a funny sketch. <laughs> it was. It was, a, it was a funny sketch. It just wasn't one that I was going to mention. <laughs> Well, we can't mention them all because seriously, <laughs> dude. We, I mean, it would be like an episode. An episode. Yep. <laughs> we, we just do the notes. Yeah. We read the scripts. <laughs> yeah. Well, time-wise, that would be about right. <laughs> Shit, that'd probably be better. <laughs> Actually, it'd be it'd be shorter because then you wouldn't have all the animation. <laughs> oh, you know what sucks is some of my notes, and and you all know what we're talking about here in a second. <laughs> <laughs> if you haven't figured it out already <laughs> sorry we're doing stream of conscious just like the guys <laughs> nice. <laughs> but i mentioned the animation on occasion but i love the animation in every episode oh yeah oh yeah 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 as eric idol said is that terry gilliam's animation is really what drew in the u.s public because it's what the u.s wants tits and violence <laughs> <laughs> Well, I was going to say it was the only way they could get away with the tits, but that would be in the U.S. Because in the U.K., you could get away with those. Oh, my, yes. And I have notes on that, too. <laughs> you anyway. Know, that was, the, that was I, no, real quick, that was when I lived in Germany. That was the the only reason I actually tried to watch German TV was to see if there was any nudity. <laughs> because I kept hearing there was, and it was never on when I fucking watched it. It's like, Bastard. damn it. <laughs> anyway. Anyway. If you haven't figured out what the hell we're talking about, Monty Python. Yes. Um, but um, but it, um, uh, anyway, I'm not going to start singing the Liberty Bell. <laughs> so, so, so imagine, imagine my surprise. I had seen um, some episodes on PBS of Flying Circus. So imagine my surprise when one Fourth of July, I had my mom or stepdad had John Philip Sousa on, <laughs> and, and I hear I hear the Liberty Bell, and I went, wait a minute. <laughs> It's the Monty Python theme. <laughs> yep, it's the Liberty Bell March from, yep, John Philip Sousa. It's, it's kind of hilarious that an American composer for an American. <laughs> no, like oh, God. Now I'm thinking of another sketch because my, my cat's kind of looking around like, what the fuck are you laughing so hard about? <laughs> are you confusing the cat? <laughs> I'm confusing the cat. <laughs> I think he gave up. Now he's thinking of the litter box. Okay, never mind. <laughs> no. nah. You know what? I'm going to talk about the theme song then. I've got a little note. <laughs> it's knock yourself out, man. Well, I could knock myself out. Or um, Oh, wait. Do you want to talk about the theme song or do you want to talk about your beer first? I, I, I want to talk about the theme song, but sure. It'd be better if I don't interrupt later. Because <laughs> my beer is – so I'm, I've been doing the stout a day thing where yes. I just try a new stout and I put it on my Twitter feed and put it, shove it into Facebook and <laughs> shove it into Facebook, shove it into Facebook, <laughs> metal in your face, uh, <laughs> out in your Facebook. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so I'm finishing up because I've got a couple that I've been doing this weekend and this is center points black. One of my favorites. That's oh, cool. nothing huge. And by the time we're done with this episode, I'll probably have finished off my other half of the bullet of a uh, Triton salted caramel dessert stout. Nice. But that, that's it. So very good. Awesome beers. I mean, you know, stouts, porters, they're English yeah. style, but, but what, yeah. what, are, what are you drinking? Well, um, I am on my second can of straight to ale tonight, not the stout at the devil. So that'll tell you what the other episode was we recorded today. 
this is a pale ale. I think it's rather recent. It is their Juicy Bunny. <laughs> now, do you see why I picked it from, I do. from Monty Python? <laughs> look at the, it's got fangs and, and it can leap and, and look at the bones. Look at the bones. <laughs> <laughs> nice. That's perfect. I, I wish I'd had some sort of an English style ale, or but no, I I saw that I went. No, it's gonna have to be that one. That's perfect. I mean, we're not talking about Grail this time, but no, that's but still, still perfect. Yeah, <laughs> still a perfect beer. <laughs> but anyway, Liberty Bell. Since that's what we're talking about, although now I could just yeah. wait till we get there, but I won't. I'll start out because <laughs> that's four pages into my notes. <laughs> So Liberty Bell, as Jody said, American by John Philip Sousa. It was suggested by their floor manager, Roger Last, and he took out, he just got a bunch of vinyl and brought them in because they wanted something big band, so he just a bunch of big band LPs. Yeah. And, and, and that came on, and there's a little bit of discrepancy because both Palin and Jones were listening to it, and Palin's like, well, I don't know if it was me or Jones, but one of us really liked it, and Jones said, I really liked that, and convinced him. And then there's Terry, Terry Gilliam who said it was my choice out of the several LPs. <laughs> You know, <laughs> Gilliam makes sense because he's American. He's, American. <laughs> he's the only American in the troop. Would Would you like to know what fictional character took on the name John Philip Sousa at one point? Uh, sure. Scrooge McDuck. <laughs> Life of Times of Scrooge McDuck. He's in Australia, and there's an Aboriginal character roaming around, and go and said someone, and Scrooge goes. No, I'm John Philip Sousa, sarcastically. And from that point on, the guy's going, ah, John Philip Sousa. <laughs> <laughs> I should have known. I'm, I'm just, from now on, I'm just going to try to remember. Anytime you say, do you want to know what character? I'm a screech my dog. That's fucking great. All right. So, Jody said I can just start on my notes, and he would interrupt like usual. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, my first thing are general notes. A quote from Eric Idle. After the war, England was so uptight that they wore black ties to read the news on the radio. And I think he's actually kind of serious. <laughs> oh, I do too. And, and this, you'll see, is the attitude that the Pythons are taking on as we discuss things. But I mm -hmm. also want to mention this because if you'll listen to our 60s cultural watershed episode, that was one of the very first ones we put out, we mentioned this. We did. Did indeed. Way back when. <laughs> Hundreds of episodes ago. <laughs> Almost. <laughs> yeah. Actually, by the time this one comes out, yeah. <laughs> That's why I said it. Damn it, bastard. <laughs> when we first started talking about these, I read books and Jody's reading things. And we're going to talk about season one. And I was going to do their childhood with season one. And I thought, well, it's silly because they need to know how things go from right before Python, like, like at Python's beginning. Yeah. Into, into the first season so i said screw it i'm gonna go backwards so okay season one goes with python when they first start season two is going to go with post-college season three will go with university and season four will go with childhood yeah because <laughs> screw you guys we're doing the python thing <laughs> yes although although I, I would like to point out that we're calling it season one uh, uh, in the uk it was series series one, one. yep yep yeah. they call them series as bastards yeah Moving on to something completely different, <laughs> and you didn't expect it, and now... I, I did, actually. <laughs> and, but, but it wasn't the Spanish Inquisition. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody expects the Juicy Bunny. 
<laughs> okay, now I'm going to move on to context. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> so I would like to mention Peter Cook. Okay. Not a python. You did. Uh, now we can move on. <laughs> Peter Cook, 1937-1995, has been said one of the best comedians they'd ever heard, and they loved his anti-establishment satire. And okay. the Pythons were kind of lucky because between Peter Cook and David Frost, and there were a few shows that I'll kind of talk to when we get closer to different things, uh, Beyond the Fringe, these are comedians and comedic groups that were taking place 10 years to like a couple years before Python started that actually allowed them to do what they did because they're the ones who started being able to make fun of things. And then the Pythons, of course, just took it to the next level. Yes. As we mentioned, satirical shows taking things on. What they're taking on, according to Cleese, was bone-headed rubbish. <laughs> and there's never any, any um, dearth of that. But <laughs> <laughs> no. Cleese said they're quite pure in their motives. We worked for the BBC. We knew we wouldn't make much money, but they wanted to do it their way. In fact, uh, they only got 240 pounds a show. Like, if you include writing and everything, he said they got about 4,000 pounds for a series. Wow. That's... Which, which, I mean, you know, back then. Well, back, yeah, back more. in the late, late 60s, early 70s, that's probably not too bad. But, I mean, not great. But but they also had, you know, their, their socialized medicine and everything. So a lot of yeah. things were taken care of. So it really yeah. wasn't a big deal. And I actually worked out I didn't do the show, but I did the 240 pounds or the, the series. Mm -hmm. 240 pounds a show back then was $301. Yeah. And at modern rates, that would be about $5,000 a show now. It's not bad. Not bad. So that would be around 65,000 American dollars or 52,000 pounds uh, for a 13 episode season if you don't include all the writing and stuff. So it wasn't bad. No. Well, and, and you got to think too that they started, when did they start releasing records? I mean, I don't want to jump ahead from what you've got in your notes, but I, you know, I know they started releasing records. So I, I was thinking after, because it's after series one, but very, very like right after. And, and we can talk about that uh -huh. during this one, if you have notes. Or we can wait till next time if you don't, because I, I, I have things in my memory, but I don't have them written. <laughs> okay. Well, uh, the, the, only, the only thing I wanted to, uh, I guess the only point I was going to make with that was they were also going to get money from the sales of those. Yeah. And they did. They had records yeah. and books that they started to do just yeah. after. So, yeah. Uh, a little more context. Yay. Context. Drink. Damn it. Will you drink? Then I'll say the thing and I'll drink. Okay. It, it is diary. Palin mentions watching the Apollo 11 lifting off and then he and his wife, Helen, waking up early to watch the first live television pictures from the moon on July 21st, 1969, um, uh -huh. because technically it was the 20th, but that's the 20th in the USA. It was the 21st in the UK. In, in the, in the UK. And that July is just after they'd started doing everything while they were writing their notes before they even started recording. So yes. Monty Python had just gotten together and been writing for about a two, three months at the first moon landing. Nice. Um, I actually, what few notes I do have, I actually have the first, uh, when they recorded and aired the first episode. So. Oh, good. I mean, I, I do too, but then you can talk while I put the pint in my face. <laughs> actually looking at this, it looks like their second episode was recorded before the first. <laughs> it was. The second episode released was the first one they recorded. <laughs> <laughs> except for one tiny thing uh-huh a note on the quotes and i agree with palin and jones because they say when you try to analyze why they're funny 
it's not funny anymore. True. So some of these are going to be notes that we kind of analyze, but for the most part, it's background. And then we're going to just talk about why we like things, but not why it's funny. <laughs> well, I will. You Join know, I, no, I, I was going to say my, my introduction to the Pythons was movie, uh, the meaning of life. And I, I was 10 or 11. I didn't quite get it I, partially because I was so young, <laughs> but, but, but also it was my first experience with watching anything with Monty Python. And, but, <laughs> but I thought it was great. I thought it was hilarious. I, I didn't quite get it, but I knew it was funny. You see, they talk about that too. They talk about the goon show and the shows they listen to on the radio because they were the last generation that not have TV that kind of came in their teens. So as kids at your age that you're talking about, yeah, they'd listen to things and they're like, I don't know why, but that's funny. Like just listening to these guys do strange voices on the radio. Why is that funny, son? I don't know, dad, but it's hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> nah, I, I was a little older when I saw Monty Python because my first was the actual flying circus, not the movies. And I, I would have been a young teenager and that would have been about perfect and i'm going this is the best thing ever jeez yeah my I, I wish i had experienced it at that time too yeah my brothers are all like don't you like benny hill and i'd seen benny hill i'm like no no benny hill just a bunch of people running around this is this is hilarious i i liked benny hill but i would say between the two pythons are more my style yeah and i, I don't knock benny hill or people who like him it just wasn't me i like the Python. yeah yeah anyway would you like me to move on? Yes. Okay, I did not say the drinking. <laughs> yeah, <term>. I noticed. <laughs> I'm going to move on. <laughs> I noticed. So, Origins. Dun, dun, dun. Barry Took, who is not a fool of a Took. <laughs> I was going to say, he's not a hobbit, is he? No, no. <laughs> nope, well, I, I don't know. I didn't look up his height. <laughs> uh, but he's, a, he, he's an ex-writing partner of Marty Feldman. Oh, uh, now I know some of these guys started off with Feldman. Yes. And, and actually, see, that's where it's weird because all this stuff is sort of their origins right uh -huh. here as they become Python. In another episode, when we go back in time, you'll see where they match up with Marty Feldman. <laughs> yes. I, should, for those who don't know, should we mention where they may have seen Marty Feldman? Uh, I was actually going to ask you because I know it's one of your favorite movies. Oh, okay. Um, okay, so Marty Feldman played Igor in Young Frankenstein. Igor. 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 Yeah, Igor. Um, he was also, and I do not remember the character's name because there's only one character from the movie I remember his name, and that's the title character, played by Graham Chapman. Of Monty Python. Of Monty Python. Yellowbeard. Yellow <laughs> <laughs> and Marty Feldman was in Yellowbeard. Although it kind of sucks because he died during the filming of Yellowbeard. Yes, he did. He did, sadly. If, if you've ever seen a picture of a guy in Mel Brooks's young Frankenstein or anything, you see the guy whose eyes are like unfocused. That's okay. actually him. That, those are his eyes. That's what he looks like. He has a very, they didn't think he'd work on TV for a long time. <laughs> he was hilarious though. I mean, what, what little I've seen of Marty Feldman's stuff. He was hilarious. Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, actually, I guess I have a little note here with it. We'll go into more detail later. Okay. But Barry Took convinced the six of them to do an, and this is a quote from Chapman, an intercoursingly good show. <laughs> okay and so barry took took played a huge part in getting them started he was a producer uh didn't get paid but it, you know got it started uh anyway morty feldman worked on the frost report which starred cleese and chapman mm -hmm. and took was on the tim's television which was palin jones and took said my oxford chaps versus your cambridge chaps huh. 
and and you'll you'll get what that means when we go back in time. <laughs> Surreal. <laughs> Foreshadowing. They're colleges. <laughs> <laughs> Look, kids. Big Ben. Parliament. <laughs> oh. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. And and Duke actually hoped Python would make it big in the U.S. Just like Laughing, which is a bit older, from the U.S made it huge in the UK. And but similar. But it, those two shows were similar. I will say that because I have watched, uh, because Laugh-In is available on Amazon Prime. And I have watched the first episode and it is very similar to what they were doing on Monty Python's Flying Circus. It is, it's got more of that American hippie yes. motif. But, but it is a lot of stream of consciousness stuff. <laughs> yeah. Sock it to me. <laughs> yeah. Richard Nixon delivering that line is still one of the funniest things I've ever seen. It is. Sorry, now I'm just picturing um, Hot Blondes. Also. <laughs> yes. That's where Goldie got her. <laughs> yes, that's where Goldie Hawn got her start. Anyway. Uh, yeah, anyway. So, Cleese and Chapman had a bit of a break uh, from, from some television things, and Cleese wanted to work together with the other guys, especially Mike Palin. Uh, everybody wanted to work with Mike. They, you'll hear everybody talk about how he's the one who everybody gets along with for the most part. Yeah. The Duna Adjust Your Set group from Palin and Jones – because I have some notes in here I haven't completely adjusted knowing I'm going back in time later. <laughs> but, but they found out that there's going to be a year or two gap between they could do their next possible show. And they thought, well, yeah, yeah, we'll do it. And Cleese and Chapman love Do Not Adjust Your Set. So they called them up in 69 and said, hey, do you want to do this? And like, yeah, we, yeah, yeah, let's do that. It's cool. In fact, Palin was ecstatic because he loved Cleese. And Cleese was very popular at the time. And they discovered Palin and Jones were compatible with Cleese and Chapman. Nice. And they brought along Eric Idle, who'd worked with them, and Terry Gilliam, who'd worked with them. Yeah, I was, I was reading. I don't remember which one of them it was that had met Terry Gilliam while they had been in the States. But... Oh, I, I, do you want me to tell you, or do you want to wait till we go back in time? Let's, let's wait till we go back in time. Okay. Mama, just kill the man. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Wayne's World reference for anybody out of the country if you don't know what the hell we're doing. <laughs> so anyway, just leave in all in all honesty, I remembered the sound effect. I didn't remember where I got it from. <laughs> Until you started singing. I was like, oh shit, that was Wayne's World. <laughs> Wayne's World. Party time. Anyway. Thusly uh, began Monty Python to move on. <laughs> yes. Um Wayne's World started out on Saturday Night Live, which was heavily influenced by Monty Python's Flying Circus. Very. I've got notes on them in a bit, too. All right. We can talk about them now. No. <laughs> no, I said my thing. Fuck off, motherfucker. Just move on. <laughs> anyway, April was the, first, it was the month of the first official Python meeting. And again, they argue. A couple of them say it was at a park. One of them says an Indian restaurant. Some of them say they don't remember. <laughs> Uh -huh. so, yeah, so April, <laughs> they met at a park or an Indian restaurant, or maybe at a park and then got food. Who knows? Or, or maybe at an Indian restaurant in a park. Th that could be. Or next oh. to a park. Fuck, I don't know. <laughs> I've never been to London. <laughs> no, I take that back. No, I've been to Heathrow Airport. That's it. <laughs> uh, counts. Right, not for much, but more than I've been. <laughs> yeah. So they, they all got together, and they approached Barry Took after Barry Took convinced them to do this and said, yeah, yeah, we'll do this. So Barry Took arranged for them to meet with Michael Mills, 
uh, who I won't mention much beyond this, but you know, he's the reason they're on. So I want to say at the time he was the head of BBC comedy called BBC Lighter Entertainment. Eminem. <laughs> Good night, everybody. <laughs> I was waiting for you to stop so I could throw that in there. Sometimes I don't stop, so you can. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Anyway, so they couldn't explain exactly what they wanted to do, and I'll, I'll actually kind of give quotes for that. What's going to be in the program? Michael Mills, the producer, asked. Uh, we, we don't know, humor, humor and jokes. What about guests? I don't know. Are, are we? Are, I don't know. Are we? <laughs> Music? We, we might. <laughs> film? Hmm. Film. <laughs> you know, given the nature of the show and just them as a troop, I can actually picture this. Yeah, but they must have pulled it off because they got 13 episodes. <laughs> Mills trusted them, trusted his gut. And, and one of them, I think it might have been Idol, said, even though it was an unpitch or an X-pitch, is <laughs> Idol or Palin? <laughs> he got nice. to 13. Um, I, I mentioned other shows. Uh, <laughs> Spike Milligan's Q5 had just come out right at this time, too, as their meeting. And it actually kind of pushed things a bit other. This was a sketch where they drifted into each other like they want to do their stream of consciousness. And they actually freaked out. And Jones and Cleese called each other and said, wasn't this what we're going to do? I thought this was what we're going to do. Fuck. <laughs> but, <laughs> but they actually, because Jones did his, or Jones, Spike did his Q5, they were able to go even further. <laughs> and would you like my long Terry Gilliam quote on their meetings? Yes. Okay, good. I, it's good up to because, you, you know. because he's the only American. <laughs> we need to <laughs> we get go. him in there as much as we can. <laughs> oh, So I read... I read Gilliam's, Cleese's, Idols, and Chapman's. Mm -hmm. And then I also read Pythons on the Pythons, which has all six of them. And uh, Python Speaks, which is a bunch of quotes from all. So, yeah, Gilliam actually has a lot to – his is um, – not the Chapman's is actually the funniest, but they're yeah. all hilarious. Anyway, um, moving on. Damn it! <laughs> Fuck! It's a good thing I had the beer in my hand. Man, I'm glad that's all you had in your hand. As far as you know. <laughs> I got two hands. <laughs> Isn't it awfully nice to have a penis? <laughs> uh, so, you, know, you, you know you're going to have to put some of the songs in here. <laughs> oh, I, I can do that. I got the Money Python scenes. <laughs> oh, and I'm going to love talking about the O2 show and the changes they made to some of the songs. Oh, God. That was hilarious. When I, we get to that. I, I will say I was I was lucky enough to go to a theater and see that when they live streamed that. Yeah, I did too. The very last show. Yeah. Yeah, that was fantastic. It was. I got chills. I kind of cried a bit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, any, anyway. Anyway. So Terry Gilliam, the meetings where we got together to discuss which material should and shouldn't be used were very strategic affairs. There were directions the group weren't set in stone, and they would dissolve and reconstitute a series of different fault lines. For example, there were the O's, which were Oxford and Occidental, because Gilliam went to the American Occidental College, against yeah. Cambridge, the do not adjust your set veterans versus the rest, people whose names were Terry standing up bravely against those <laughs> whose names weren't Terry, according to the issue at hand. <laughs> and, and actually, I mean, there's a little bit more about power plays, but I want to get to the people named Terry versus yeah, yeah. everyone else. That's funny. Well, they were the they were the two who wound up being directors too. Yeah, 
they uh, you talked about books and albums. They mm-hmm. also did commercials. Like when they were first out in the UK, they would do commercials for like frozen peas. Oh, and and Gilly, uh, Gilliam Jones, Terry Jones actually directed some of those. So he started directing even before the Grail. Tell me, tell me those are on YouTube. I haven't looked yet. I actually just read that a couple of days ago, and I've been too busy. But I've got a note oh. to look them up because I think that actually goes that that was going to go in the next episode. Okay, but it won't now. <laughs> well, okay, and and you you mentioned Terry Jones directing Grail. Um, Gilly, they, he and Gilliam co-directed that. Yeah, yeah. But when they, because I, I know when they went to do Life of Brian, Gilliam stepped back and let Jones direct it. Now, I, I think there was some discussion over which one of them should direct it, but I think it was finally decided that Gilliam would step back and let Jones do it. Yeah, I think they found it easier for one of them to do it. And yeah, Gilliam had just done Jabberwocky, maybe. I think so. Yes, so which he, I have seen, which is a great movie. <laughs> it's a good. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, there'll be more on that coming up later. Oh, yes. yeah, there we go, foreshadowing. <laughs> We're wetting your appetite. Damn it, foreshadowing's a fucking drink. It. Yes, it is. I could actually hear the echo it's... of your glass up to your face. It was a can, but yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> I, I did too. <laughs> Whose can's in your face? <laughs> juice, juice, juicy bunny. <laughs> I guess that's better than... Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, moving on. Uh, <laughs> Before you start talking about the devil's can <laughs> being in Jody's face. <laughs> so when you were reading things, did you see all the different names they come up with? Uh, for the series? I did, and I did not make a note of it. Okay. So, so, okay, so, so, so my notes consist of the sketches from the episodes of series one that I like and the recurring characters throughout the series. I like that. Throughout the entire series. Because I don't have that. That's good. Well, there weren't many, <laughs> no. but, but we'll get to those later. <laughs> okay, so the name. <laughs> yeah. So the name, uh, they, they had all sorts, and I'm going to read some. And this is literally half of the ones I read because I don't want to put them all down. Um, right. Owl Stretching Time. I, yes, because that was, the, that was the title of the fourth episode that aired, and that note is in the note. And in and, and all honesty, my notes also came uh, straight out of copy and paste from Wikipedia. So. <laughs> it's okay. I actually looked at that same page and made a few notes because I also had another book and I verified that that is accurate in Wikipedia. So, Okay. And yeah, the, the first half a dozen, not all of them, but most of the first episodes uh, were, were like Wither Canada was yeah. another possible name. And that is also one of the, the first episode names. That was the first episode that aired. Oh, see? Well, so, yes. <laughs> there's uh, thusly going forward. <clears throat> yes. There's a horse, a spoon, and a basin. <laughs> okay. The, the toad elevating moment. <laughs> you can't call a show cornflakes. <laughs> um, the, uh, let's see, I kind of said that one already. A horse, a bucket, a spoon. Sex and violence. That was the second episode that aired. <laughs> uh, you can't call a show better. Not, not, not as good. Yeah. Uh, Bun, whack it, buzzards, double and boot. <laughs> which actually takes its name from a previous Python thing that Cleese did. And, and there were more. Uh, but then they ended up really kind of homey. The BBC really focused on Flying Circus. Mm-hmm. Part of that comes from Barry Took because he was very aggressive. And he was compared to the Red Baron at the BBC. <laughs> so, and the Red Baron actually had the Red Baron's Flying Circus back in the day. 
Yes. Yes, he did. So um, something I thought we could talk about when we finally get around to doing the Snoopy Christmas Red Baron songs. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But they were going to call it Baron Von Tuke's Flying Circus because of his attitude. And uh, the Flying Circus, Circus something, Flying Circus, et cetera, et cetera. And they kept trying to do it, but they knew they needed something to go with. BBC wanted John Cleese because he's popular, but none of them, including John, wanted that. Bear, uh, okay. Palin suggested Gwen Dibley because of a little lady in Suffolk. Uh-huh. So it'd be Gwen Dibley, and they'd be watching it, and they'd be like, Mom, your name's on TV in the show. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been funny. But eventually, Cleese suggested Python because at the time he had this thing for disgusting animals, <laughs> like names for, for comedy. Yeah. And Idol suggested Monty after a chap he knew that local, a local, uh, local, he was a local at a pub called the Dog Inn in Mapleboro Green. And because he had a little mustache and a bow tie and he kind of this like character. So they decided on Monty Python's Flying Circus. And they, <laughs> they all liked it. They all slept on it. The next day, August 1st, 1969, they still liked it. There it was. Well, I mean, it works. It, it does. That's, yeah. Uh, so we just recorded an episode of Motley Crue, and we talked about how all sorts of things have to fit together. Yeah. That, that, hell, that was perfect. I, it's, 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 yeah, it's one of those things. It's, yeah, like, like in that episode we just did, you suggest it, and everybody just kind of goes, yeah. Oh, <laughs> here's my note on Gwen Dibley. Uh, Palin read it in a local paper mentioning a women's town guild, which will come up with an episode <laughs> in, in, a, in a snippet that just said accompanied on piano by Gwen Dibley. And he thought it'd be hilarious just to take this woman's name and put it in there. Uh, well, you know, it's Alice Cooper, Gwen Dibley. <laughs> oh, and, anyway, and of course, then there's the it's man, because they actually had thought about just calling it it's. And when they, they, <laughs> he, is, he is the first character listed in the recurring characters. So if you're listening to us and you haven't watched Monty Python, the It's Men, their idea was to have, it's Michael Palin. He's dressed up in ragged clothes with a beard and he looks all haggard and he's coming up out of the ocean. He's crawling up on the beach and he's going to introduce the show. And he looks at the camera and he goes, it's, and dies. <laughs> so you don't ever find out the name of the show. And then they cut to the card and, and <laughs> Clicks introduces it. And then, yep. <laughs> yeah, then, then it actually goes through the, Liberty Bell March with the animation and Cleese, Monty Python's Flying Circus. <laughs> yep. Originally, he just did that in a straight voice. Yo, he did. Yeah. Then they changed it later. That's right. Yeah. I think it's episode six, episode five. First episode where John Cleese says the title in a silly voice rather than calmly in his normal voice. That's right. That's what happens when you watch all of them back to back. Yeah, he he starts. Uh, he's, I guess he started doing like his French accent, <laughs> but then I think later on in series one, it starts tra- uh, transitioning from French to German. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I imagine we're going to talk about this, but we have to fit in the two episodes they did for German TV. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I read up on those. I haven't watched them yet, but Other, I did read up on those. Two episodes, forty-five minutes each-ish easy to watch but they they come after series two maybe i don't know somewhere we'll do it later yeah anyway if you haven't watched monty python we should have made you really want to it's available you can watch this on netflix they have the they have all four seasons fucking great yeah (laughs) so we've got more series one yeah you should watch the shows and then you'll even have a better idea what we're talking about in the next episode or two yeah but until then he's james and he's Jody Tushed. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> Twin Terrors become manner of mayhem. <laughs> and we'll talk to you all later. The end. Dinsdale. <laughs> the Macabre Manor is brought to you by the Twin Terrors. All rights reserved. Stay tuned for some fun outtakes. In the background, you hear Jody smacking his cat. Are you there? Oh, yeah, he's reading our fashion. Sorry, I, I was. I thought, well, I'll just wait for him to get back. And then the cat looked at me from around the end of the bed, like, please, Father, may I have some sustenance? <laughs> please, sir, may I have some more cat food? <laughs> Tip the dancer or whatever, and they'd come over to the table to thank me, and they'd give me a hug, and they're like, oh, you smell good. <laughs> oh, no, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta get around my notes. What notes no. I have? I, okay. Well, actually, notes are what I was going to mention, because you know the other day how I told you I was going to pare them down? Yeah, you didn't, did you? That works. I wonder if I should start the timer on this, if this will end up being two episodes. <laughs> it's going to be three. <laughs> they took their person for a bike ride. <laughs> That's a very sweet dog. They could tell that the person was getting antsy. <laughs> uh, I'm just glad you said planes and not pants. I have a small bit on punchlines, but we're at 45 minutes. Right, oh, darling, yeah, be on my back per 8.30. No, I'm not going to bite. Beethoven's gone, but his music lives on. And Mozart don't go shopping no more. You'll never meet Liszt or Brahms again. And Elga doesn't answer the door. Schubert and Chopin used to chuckle and laugh whilst composing a long symphony. But 150 years later, there's very little of them left to see. They're decomposing composers, there's nothing much anyone can do. You can still hear Beethoven, but Beethoven cannot hear you.